Well, that can be taken from the wise men after they'd been in the presence of Jesus, they went back another way. And so I hope and pray that because you are here today, you go home in a different way. Different not in the roads that you take, but different in what's in your heart and how you want to serve the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, that's not where I'm preaching. Boy, you guys are turning there like I was. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and all of a sudden he breaks out into praise and all of a sudden he breaks out into worship. And we can learn a few things from that. We can learn from that the inspiration for our worship. It starts out by saying, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we think or ask according to the power that works in us. That is the inspiration for us to praise and worship. We live in a day and time where they get the colored lights, they turn the lights down, and when I ask the why of it, pastors often tell me we're trying to inspire our people to worship. Folks, if it takes the lights dimmed or different colors of light bulbs to get you to worship Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think, if it takes the lights turned down or a certain mood to get you to worship the One who loved you enough to send your Son to die on the cross and on the third day rise again, you're getting, you're looking the wrong place for your inspiration to worship. Our inspiration to worship is because He is able to save our souls from hell. He is able to sanctify our lives on earth. He is able to sustain us through the toughest things that we go through. And He is able to secure us until we get home to heaven. That ought to be your inspiration. That ought to be my inspiration. That ought to be anybody's inspiration to worship the Lord. And then, my dear friends, that verse in scripture tell us not only the inspiration of our worship it tells us the location of our worship because it moves on in verse 21 says now to him be the glory in the church now when it says church in the scriptures you don't need to picture this building that's got a cut out on the front of it of some cowboy kneeling at a cross You don't need to picture the wood at an angle on these walls. When it says the church, you need to understand that is you if you're born again. The day you was born again, you become a part of not a church, you become a part of the church, and you don't have to be inside four walls to worship. The location of worship is wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, and that can be in a yellow freight liner headed down 69 Highway. See, the location of our worship, I left a Friday ago to go to Cameron, Texas, and I had a CP, another cooperative producer, with me, and we didn't get far, and he's done broke out his phone, and he's done singing, and we're done worshiping God. We had a day of evaluation and we headed back about 5 o'clock on a Saturday evening and we didn't get far and right through the traffic of Dallas, he's sitting in the passenger seat just to singing and praising Almighty God. And one of the songs that he, he was singing was, I need thee, every hour I need thee. 
And it just reminded me of the location of our worship. And some of you will remember it took me back to the day that Marty Brock and I competed in Columbus, Ohio at a rodeo. And it was sometime in the early evening, 4 or 5 o'clock. And when we walked out, neither one of us struck pay dirt. It was a terrible outing as calf ropers. And I remember where we was parked right out in front of the Coliseum. And I walked out there and I wasn't in a good mood anyhow. And I'm loosening the horse, throwing the saddle, thinking about a, about a 12 hour drive back home. And then was the first time that Marty said, you need to hurry up my saddle. I forgot to tell you, we got a cowboy crusade at Cushing, Oklahoma at 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, we're going to have to get it on to be back. Man, I got mad at him. Somebody said, why didn't you get mad at him for scheduling something that tight? I would never schedule nothing that close. <laughs> Look here and listen to me. So I decided right then, you're driving first, and I'm getting me a nap because it's going to be all night, and there ain't going to have a whole lot of room for error. I crawled in the back seat of that red four-door dually, and he took off, and he plugged in some worship songs, and Man, it, all of a sudden, I wasn't the least bit sleepy, and I jumped out of that back seat, and I crawled over that front seat. I got in the passenger side, and we went to praising and worshiping God. We wasn't in a building. We was in a truck going down the interstate. Pretty soon, our worship got interrupted. You know what? It wasn't a carnal Christian. It was that little ding-ding and that light on the dash that said, Fuel low. Man, we pulled in, and that's when you switch drivers, and I told him he better get in the back seat. It's just amazing how when you quit worshiping, you can get in the flesh so quick. Get in the back seat, you goofball. You scheduled us this tight. You better get some rest. And he got in the back seat, but he didn't last much longer than I did because when we got on the interstate, I turned up the worship. And over that back front seat, Marty Brock come. And all the way back home, plumb till we got ready to preach at Cushing that next morning, we began to worship God. Boy, it shortened our trip up. It's then that I learned that the location of worship is wherever two or three. And they begin to worship a God inspired by the God who give His Son. And then the duration of worship is right there in that text too. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Do you realize how long worship's going to last? It's going to last forever and ever. I think about the church of today, as soon as the preacher gets done, people like a madhouse at most churches getting out. I mean, we have give our hour of worship, let's get out here. If you're really worshiping, the doors can fly open and nobody leaves. Acts chapter 16 proves that. They is in a jailhouse. And I'm going to tell you, a worship service broke out. Now, I'm pretty sure most people in jailhouse this morning would want out. And I'm pretty sure they wanted out until the worship and praise broke loose in Acts chapter 16. The doors come open, the chains fell off, but my Bible says nobody left. Boy, the duration of worship. Now look here. That ought to teach us just a little bit about what inspires us to worship, the location of worship, and the duration of worship. And man, when he was singing that song, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And I was driving along and I thought about the inspiration for worship, the location for worship, and the duration of worship. But then I thought, man, I need to preach that message. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. 
My mind immediately went to that other song, People Need the Lord. When will people realize they need the Lord? So I want to preach a message that I've entitled that the Lord inspired me to preach while driving down the road, inspired to worship. The location was driving down the road and I've been worshiping God ever since. I need thee. Number one, we got to realize we need the Lord for living. When I say we need the Lord for living, are you listening? Say I am. It's twofold. Are you ready? We need Him for actual living. When I say actual living, I'm talking about physically breathing, a physical heartbeat. You need the Lord for actual physical living. See, the Apostle Paul was headed out and he come to a place called Mars Hill. That's where the Lord convicted me. That was a political spot in that day and time. That's when the Lord, after a message right out of Acts chapter 17, led me to go to our local courthouse and share my faith with three judges. Because Paul didn't just go to the people in the street, the down and out. Paul wanted everybody to know about Jesus. And here he comes through Mars Hill, the political part place in that day and time. And he says to them, Men of Athens, here's these political people, I perceive that in all things you're very religious. For as I was passing through, considering the objects of your worship, listen to what he said, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, since you don't know him, oh, Paul fixed to introduce him. The one whom you worship without knowing him, I'm going to proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he's the creator, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all, you ready, life, Breath and all things. Paul went on to tell him, and he is made from one blood, every nation, men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Listen to this. So that they should seek, I come to thee, that they should seek, the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him through, though, find Him though He's near, very near to all of us. Let me ask you a question. You glad He's near to us this morning? You're seeking Him. You just found out He's very near to us. Now watch this. For in Him we live, we move, And we have our being. You know what the Bible just told you and I? I need Him. Without Him, I don't move. Without Him, I don't live. And without Him, I'm not a being. So you think you need the Lord? I'm telling you, you need Him just for actual living. He picked a handful of dirt up one day, and it was Him who 
breathe the breath of life in it and look at me. And when he quits breathing the breath of life in me, you, or anyone else, guess what? You're done. You know, the second bull work day I left on a Monday morning on very treacherous roads to go to Republic, Missouri. And after that bull work day, we would drive an hour and a half on east to Mountain Grove, Missouri. And I'm just here to tell you the roads were treacherous here, but they was more treacherous there. And the temperature just barely got above freezing. But we needed to drive. It was getting dark after that bull work day to get to the next one. We had to drive on some roads that might be a little bit questionable. Had they all thawed off? And I don't know why. I don't know for the life of me. But Kit Pharaoh, the main man, asked me for a ride. I thought, boy, there's a lot of people. You'd probably feel a lot better. In the... I didn't say it, but I thought he'll learn it. And so he gets in the passenger seat, and I had no idea. The man held, the man hid his fear really well. I mean, I had no idea he was scared. I mean, I don't know why he would be. I didn't go over the speed limit. The speed limit was 70. I set the cruise. But he was hiding his fear good. It wasn't that I knew, I didn't know he was scared till his phone rung, and he picked it up and said, hello, and it must have been somebody, just kind of the, the normal phone, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm in the passenger seat, Rob Pierce is driving, and I'm scared to death. And then I realized that maybe I was scaring him. He had that conversation, we kind of chuckled a little bit after he hung up, and I said, you're not the first one that's been scared to death sitting in that seat. But here in a moment, we went around a curve, and I spotted three crosses. You know why they put crosses on the roadside? People have died there. And as I looked at those crosses, and we went around that curve, Kit looked at me and said, that's it, slow down. That's it, slow down. I said, I got tickled. I said, did them three crosses back there have anything? He said, yeah, they had everything to do with it. Three people died back there. Look at me and listen. I just chuckled and said, well, you won't be dying until the Lord's ready for you, no matter how I drive. Now, look at me and listen to me. I'm not saying you ought to test the Lord and drive fast on ice. But I think all of us need to understand He's the giver and He's the taker of life we need thee oh we need thee every hour we need thee one of the things we need him for is actual living amen but then secondly i said it's twofold we need thee not only for actual physical living look here we need him for abundant and prosperous living I want you to know that when you get saved, God said you as a child of God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He says you're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He says that we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. Listen, he said we can be thankful for the victory that God gives us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize when you get saved, you don't have to wait to get heaven in heaven what the Bible's saying is, you can get heaven on earth. We've got too many people in our churches that their theme verse has become, those who endure till the end shall be saved. They're not living on top of their circumstances, prospering and an abundant life. They're living below them, just enduring until heaven gets here. I'm here to tell you, when God sent His Son to die, to be buried, and to rise again, it's twofold. And most people miss the main reason. 
You think he died, was buried, and rose again so you can go to heaven when you die. That's right, but I think that's secondary. I think he died, rose again according to scriptures that we could get our authority back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Come on now, listen to me. He created mankind in his image. He created mankind to have dominion, authority over all the animals, over all the earth. Go read Genesis. The devil comes in and steals that away. And so when God sent His Son to die, to be buried and rose again, it's not just so that we could have heaven when we die, it's so we could regain our authority and our dominion and no weapon formed against us shall prosper and we can have an abundant life right here on planet earth. And so here we are, and every time I preach this, somebody will say, oh, you think Paul prospered? Wait a minute. He was stoned. What did prosper? Trenton, Trenton told us what it meant to advance or strive through. Because I'll preach that abundant life. Oh, I don't agree with you, preacher. Paul, you think he had an abundant life? An abundant life is getting on top of your circumstances. Well, I don't think he had an abundant life. He got snake bit. But he looked to me like he got on top of it and kept preaching. He got thrown in prison. Don't look like an abundant life to me. And he said it worked out for the good because I've got a captive audience. I mean, listen... I'm not saying that, that, that bad things ain't going to happen to you. I'm just saying you need the Lord because when the snake bites, you can keep on going, you can prosper, you can abundantly live above that circumstance, not underneath it. When the shipwrecks come and the imprisonments come and the trials come, an abundant and a prosperous life means you don't live under it. You just see God's purpose and you just keep on keeping on. You can have an abundant life, but if you ain't close to Him, if you don't think you need Him, that abundant life will be out there and you won't be living it. Oh, I need Thee. I need Thee for actual living, physical living. But I need Him for abundant living, prosperous living. I can live on top of my circumstances. I don't have to live beneath them. I don't have to be a down and outer. I can be an up and shouter. Amen? So I need Thee. I need Thee for life. I need thee for living, actual living, abundant living. But secondly, I need the Lord. I need thee for learning. Remember in Matthew chapter 28, the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus warned about him. They're teaching you. They're, they're putting heavy burdens on you. They're teaching you. And, and they call you rabbi. And you know what Jesus said? Don't let them call you rabbi. There's one teacher. There's one teacher. Who did Jesus say? Matthew 23, 8. There's one teacher, and that is Christ. And so we need the Lord for learning. And remember in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm going to go away. The Father's going to send you a helper in my name. And He will, listen to this, teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things that I've told you. Do you realize we have a teacher in that of the Holy Spirit? See, sometimes we give credit to the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or the youth director. Man, he's a great teacher. No, he's just opening the textbook of life, the Bible. And then the Holy Spirit comes and teaches from that. We got one teacher, and it's the Holy Spirit. We need Him for learning. 
And look here and listen to me. When we had Kenny Evans here, I can't think of the big word, Dave, that he used, but he talked about the Scriptures and he gave a big Greek word for it and he says they have one meaning. You know, we talk about interpretation of the Bible. When it's written, it was written in context. And in context, the Bible has one meaning. It may have been interpreted a lot of ways, but the Holy Spirit will teach you when you pray over it and dig into it, the Holy Spirit will give you the one meaning in context. Now, we often use, and I'll just give you the example that I used. My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves, remember? And Jesus began to turn the tables over. And in context, the Holy Spirit teaches us they had a monopoly on sacrificial animals. They was naming their price and they had made church about making money. And Jesus comes in and says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it about money. And He turned the tables over. See, that gets mixed up a lot when you try to sell CDs or, or something when a singing group comes. And, 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 and Holy Joes and Salvation Sallies will step up and tell you, boy, if Jesus is here, He'd turn the tables over. I'm out of here. You might spank your butt too if He was here. Might be You might be the one getting turned over. Listen to me. That's the meaning. And the Holy Spirit teaches that in context. But if you've been to prayer meetings on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit can show me a different message. I'll always say that's the true meaning in context. But when we don't pray in God's house, we make it a den of thieves. We rob God of the opportunity to move in and on somebody's behalf when we don't pray. So it's, it's in context. It's got one meaning. The Holy Spirit teaches that. But the Holy Spirit can also show you application of another point from that. Has everybody got that? But who does that? It ain't Rob, man. I can't believe you. No, the Holy Spirit shows that to you. He's the one teacher. And when I was studying this out, Brother Dave, I, I got to thinking about Harold and I, and some of you remember this. We was going to look at our, our outbuildings over at the old church that we used for Sunday school classes. They sat way in the back, and Osage School had some they wanted to sell, and Harold and I loaded up and went out to Osage, and we was going to look at those buildings, and Harold and I pulled up, and there's a kid. I don't, if you know anything about Osage School, there, there wasn't really no And Highway 20 is a pretty dangerous highway, and it just ain't far from Osage School. So it kind of got my attention when, at best, a first grader, probably a kindergartner, was strolling down the road. He's just leaving out. Man, I looked around. There wasn't no teacher. There's a highway right there, and here's a little old kid. I mean, he's just walking, and it's no. It, it, you don't have to wonder. He's out of there. He's leaving. Well, I mean, I hate to dig into something that ain't my business, but I thought, man, I better make this my business. And I just said, hey, son. He turned around and said, yeah, what? I said, where are you headed? I'm out of here. I'm headed home. Well, there ain't no home nowhere around that I could see. I don't know how far I walk. I said, but I think you better get back in here. I don't need to go back in there. I'm smarter than my teacher. And I started to say, no, you're not, but I've met a few teachers. He might be. Some of you teachers are going, oh. Look here. I don't know if he was smarter than his teacher that's teaching science and math, but you can write this down. You may be smarter than your preacher. You may be well way more well-versed in the Scripture than I am. But don't you make this mistake. You'll never be smarter than your teacher because your teacher is none other than God Himself 
in the third person of the Trinity, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. We'll never be smarter than Him, and I highly recommend stay close to Him. You need Him. You know why you need Him? For living, but secondly, you need Him for learning. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. But thirdly, I need thee for living, I need thee for learning, but I need thee for loving. I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I had a hard time loving people. Can I get a witness? Can I get Before I got saved, I just had a little bit of problem loving people. Can I get a witness? Even some women said that. Well, there's a reason because you read 1 John 4, 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. And the Holy Spirit is love, so you can't help but when He steps inside of you, dwells and lives and abides inside of you, you can't help but love. Why? For God is love. But here's the problem. He don't save the flesh, and if we're not careful and stay close to Him, we don't do very good loving. Harold said it before. There's more love in a bar sometimes than there is in a church. You better realize today, folks, you need Him. You don't only need Him for living and learning. If you're going to love on one another like it's not a suggestion commanded by the Bible, you better stay close to Him every hour, uh -uh, every minute, and every second because you need Him to love. And I was studying in my office this morning and I was on this point right here. And I thought about me. Man, I struggled loving people. And now, even when I want to pinch somebody's head off, I always just go back and I love them and I see how I was. And, then, and I, boy, it's just, that wasn't there before I got saved. That's not there if I'm not close to Jesus. And I thought about my life, but the life I thought about was Thelbert Barnes. So I got up and I went in there and I said, Donna, you tell the story often. And she does. My little shy wife. She tells the story often about her daddy. I want you to look up here and listen. She never heard him say, I love you, before he got saved. And I want you to know, when she tells the story, here's what she says. I never had a doubt that he did love me because of his actions. But I never heard him say it. See... I hire people all the time. My daddy never told me he loved me. Get over it. Mine didn't either. But he showed me. I'd lots rather have one show me that he loved me than to tell me he loved me and him really not love me. I watch a lot of daddies tell kids they love them, but then they veer from that. So when Donna said, I never heard my daddy say he loved me, she will be real quick to tell you, I never doubted his love for me, but I never heard him say it. And she'll tell how the first time he walked in church on a Sunday morning after getting saved on a Saturday afternoon, she bubbling. Donna's bubbling. Wanda's bubbling. Thelbert's coming to church. He's saved. He's born again. And he walks in our old building over there. First time he ever walked in the building. 
she had never heard from her daddy's lips, I love you. Walks in, and there's old Harold. Shakes Thelbert's hand and said, Thelbert, I love you. And Donna was just a little bit in front of him. She said, it froze me in my tracks. What's my daddy going to do with that? And she said, I like to faint it when he hugged Harold and said, and I love you. That ain't something you heard off of Thelbert Barnes's lips. But after he got saved and he was close to the Lord, guess what? He found out what loving people really was. And after that, it wasn't just by actions. He shared with people, I love you. Donna heard it a lot after he was saved. I love you. What was born of God is love. We stay close to God, guess what? We can live actually live, abundantly live. We can learn and we can love. But listen, we need thee not only for living, learning, and loving. We need thee for Lucifer. You say, who's that? It's the devil. It's Satan. And it even uses Lucifer in your Bible. But if I'm a literator, I can't use the devil or Satan there. I'm living and learning and loving and it's Lucifer. Now listen to me. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Lucifer come for. He walks about, according to Peter, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I touched on these Facebook posts for our poor little ranchers. Due to inclement weather, there will be no farms closed today. Well, some of the plants ain't closed either, and the trucks ain't quitting going up and down the road either, and then people working on the eaters freezing their booty off ain't neither, and veterinaries are still... Poor rancher. Listen to me, and listen to me closely. I so bad want to put a post on there. Due to the holidays, because they'll put that on there, due to the holidays, no farms closed today. I often want to put on there, due to the holidays, the devil's still walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I want on the prettiest sunshiny day to put on the internet. It's a pretty day, and due to a pretty and a gorgeous day, the devil didn't take vacation. He's still walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And on a cold, miserable, snowy day, I want to post on there, due to, due to inclement weather, the devil is still walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let me just tell you something. The Lord don't take one minute, one second off. And if you're going to defeat him and live above him, listen to me, you need the Lord. Every hour, every minute, every second, you need him. I think I've preached on him twice in my last two sermons. Let me tell you why you need the Lord. You don't want Lucifer. You don't want the devil to do your thinking. Let me tell you why you need the Lord. You don't want Lucifer and you don't want the devil still in the seed that you're supposed to be sowing. Therefore, you better realize you need the Lord for not only living and learning and loving. You need him for Lucifer. Listen to the second verse in that song. I need thee every hour. Listen to this. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. Let me say that again. Stay thou nearby, temptations, the devil loses its power when thou art nigh. Folks, we better realize we need to stay close to Jesus if we're going to stand against Lucifer, the devil, and Satan. Amen.
And then lastly, and I'll be through, got 15 minutes for, for the hour. I need thee for leaving. You say, well, I ain't leaving. Oh, yeah, you are. One way or the other. Death's going to pick you up or the rapture's going to take you up. You're leaving. <laughs> and let me just tell you something. You need him for leaving. See, you're going to leave one way or the other. And if you want to leave for an eternal destination called heaven and stay out of an eternal place called hell, let me tell you something. You need Jesus. He is the truth, the life, and the way. And nobody goes to heaven. Nobody goes to the Father except through Him. Hebrews 2.3 says this, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's what the Bible asks. How shall we escape, how shall we leave, if we neglect so great a salvation? It's an unanswerable question. There is no way of escaping hell without Jesus Christ, the one who died, was buried, and rose again. And so you need to understand, you need Jesus for leaving. And if you're, this happened to me one night and the next day, and a funeral in between. Friday night, Don and I went to Oklahoma City. We come back through Tulsa, and, and we kind of stretched the visiting hours. We got into Hillcrest and got to see Billy Parham and, and uh, just pray for Billy. Please pray for Billy. And we're standing in there, and there's a nurse in there. Billy's a little groggy. Old Billy looks over at Jocelyn. That was her name. Jocelyn, you a Christian? Yep. Young lady just about, yep, I sure am. Old Billy, he's, I mean, he's just, it just does your heart good to see somebody that you've got to be a part of leading them to the Lord and the Sabbath. Well, when did you become a Christian? She said, oh, I was born a Christian. So Billy, as droggy as he was, he looked at me, he looked at Donna, he raised up, he looked at Jocelyn. He said, born a Christian? Yep, I was born a Christian. He looked back at Donna, he looked back at me, he looked back at her. He looked at me and he said, Rob, tell her. <laughs> well, I mean... Rob, tell her. So I commenced to tell her. Ma'am, you wasn't born a Christian. And I don't know why she said that, because when I said you wasn't born a Christian, she went immediately to a church service where she was 14 years old. She meant she was born and raised in church, but when she was 14, she come forward after being convicted from the Scriptures and give her life to Jesus. So... So glad we got that straightened out. Rob, tell her. She wasn't born a, a Christian. She's born a sinner in need of a Savior. So I, we come home late that night, and I come and preach Miss Lindsay's funeral. And Man, the Lord just gave me a message out of Second Corinthians 5.17 because, man, that's just a picture of Lindsay's life, you know, get saved, a changed life. And I left here, and I had to go meet a truck uh, at one of my lease pastors to unload a load of alfalfa. And I was having trouble with this feller's name. He was supposed to have been there Friday. Clutch went out of his truck in Wichita, 
And finally, I said, I'm going to have to go on. I've got a pretty crazy schedule. I guess just call me when you get a clutch in your truck or a truck gets there. Just call me and we'll just have to. He said, oh, yeah, just go ahead and live your life. And I said, what's your name? I was going to put it in my phone so I knew if he was calling me and telling me when he's going to. But I forgot to put it in his phone, my, his name in my phone. So when he finally texts me and tells me he's getting there, I recognize the number. I get down there, and he was, he was there at one thirty yesterday after the funeral. I run down there, and I kept I asked him his name when he got out, and he told me his name. And, man, I, I'm unloading the hay, and. I'm thinking, man, why can't I remember that guy's name? And I got out, and for the third time in just two days, I said, can you tell me one more time your name? And he looked at me, and he said, it's real simple, Ray. But when he said it was real simple, I felt the Holy Spirit give him the simple gospel. And so I said, Ray, your name's real simple, but let me give you something simple. It's the gospel. Now, you done heard what Jocelyn said about 12 hours earlier. I was born a Christian. I said, let me give you the simple gospel. Oh, listen to me, Rob. I was born a Christian. Why is this happening to me? So I shared with him, no, you wasn't. You was born a sinner. I don't know if I got through to Ray, but I know I done this. I know I sowed the seed. But here's what I want to clear up to everybody. Why did that happen? Why did Jocelyn say, I'm born a Christian? Why did Ray put me in front of somebody, I'm born a Christian? I th- I'm going to tell you why I think. So I could be sure and get here Sunday morning and let everybody know very, very clearly you was not born a Christian. You was born, you come straight forth out of your mother's womb speaking a lie. You came straight forth as a sinner. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came. He was born of a virgin so you can be born again that you may escape hell and have heaven when you leave. Nobody was born a Christian. You must be born again. There has to be a time. There has to be a place when you get saved. You need Him for leaving. Man, if that ain't on the front burner here at Exciting Southeast Baptist, she was 42 years old, Miss Lindsay. No health issues, an abundant life, living it. Pow. Gone. I've got another funeral Friday. I got a call on the way home from Kelly. Said, said, Francine's trying to get a hold of you. I went to school with her husband, Marvin. My age. Dead. Folks, you don't know when you're leaving. That's why you need him. And you need him now because you don't know when you're leaving. She was a third grader. Here's what she said. I get up of a morning. I brush my teeth. I fix my hair. I get dressed. Then I eat my breakfast. And then the bus comes. 
You guys don't get it either, do you? That little girl thought that bus was just waiting for her to brush her teeth. That bus just sitting down the road waiting for her to fix her hair. That bus sitting down the road for her waiting for her to get dressed. I mean, this little girl in her mind, it's just waiting for me to eat breakfast. And when I get all of that done, then the bus will be there. And as I watch people live their life, if you're listening to me, say, I am. Somehow, some way, you just think you're going to live your life, raise your kids, enjoy your grandkids for a little bit. And in your older years, then death's going to come just like this, waiting for you to live your life. That ain't how it works no more than the bus is waiting for you to get ready. That bus is going to come at a certain time, whether you're ready or not. Right? You better get ready because you don't know when death's coming. And I'm telling you, you need thee. You need him. Every hour for living, for learning, for loving, for Lucifer. But you sure need him for leaving. And since you don't know when he's coming, you better go ahead and come to thee. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we do it because you first loved us. And you're worthy of our praise because scarcely one die for his friend. But how much more one die for his, for people that was against him, people that was sinners. Father, help us to realize we need Thee. Oh, every hour we need Thee. So, Father, I pray for Christians to come today. May they've not been living abundantly. Maybe they've not been learning. Maybe they've not been loving. Maybe Lucifer, the devil's been winning the battle over them. Father, I pray Christians would come to Thee today. Meet You in these altars realizing how much they need you. Who would be the first to come to say this morning, Lord, I need thee. I need thee every hour. Christians, make the way to these altars because you need the Lord every hour. But listen, if you're sitting out there and you're lost, you've never been born again, you wasn't born a Christian. There has to be a time, there has to be a place when you was born again. That comes when there's conviction from the Scriptures. That comes when there's a call from the Holy Spirit. If you're getting that call today, that means your heart's beating fast. That means there's no peace. You're at enmity with God. And if that's you today, you realize, man, I need Jesus. I'm not ready. If He come for me, I wouldn't have heaven. I'd be in hell. You need to be saved. You step out and come. I'm not going to hand you the mic. I'm just going to... I'm just going to show you from the scriptures how to be saved if you're lost I'm telling you you need Jesus today you need him for leaving Father have your way in the hearts of us your people save the lost encourage the saved in Jesus name Amen